Welcome everyone to Just Crypto. My name is Vanessa and we've got another interesting, awesome show for you today. We're going to be talking about Solana and as a foil to the previous conversation we had about the bull case for Solana, we're going to be talking about the 10 things that are wrong with Solana. And we've got a, a special guest uh, today here to join us who's uh, already a friend of the show, uh, Dave, or otherwise known as DB Crypto. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to be on the show. Yeah, no, it's great. And and I think, uh, you know, a lot of what inspired this was you wrote a pretty widely viewed thread on Solana and some of the challenges with it. Uh, so we'll we'll definitely dig into to all of those. Uh, but before we start, I do just want to let everyone know that another Dave nor I are financial advisors. Don't take financial advice from us. You will get wrecked. Um, use this as an opportunity to educate yourself and learn more about Solana. Um, also do want to shout out, if you are in the chat, we love to engage with folks here live as well. Uh, we'll be taking your, your questions and comments, you know, whether you love Solana, you don't like Solana, maybe there's a, a point that we've particularly missed uh, in how we're talking about Solana, let us know. I uh, want to give a shout out to Marco, who's here already. I think, Marco, maybe you're a, a fan of Solana, saying that the thing that's wrong with it is not in the top 10. <laughs> so, uh, yep, you could say that. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, Stephen from Podcast Elrond, who are great folks, uh, you should go and subscribe to their channel as well, uh, says maybe Solana is a broken VC pump coin. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. Okay. Uh, Petra, yes, we don't want to get wrecked. Um, <laughs> it's hard to avoid in crypto, but we have been wrecked before. Um, so with all of that, uh, Dave, uh, why, why don't you, you know, start off and share it? Like, what's your relation to Solana? Like, how did you get involved in Solana? Uh, why are we even having this discussion? Sure. So the first chain I really ever used was Ethereum, probably like the majority of people coming over from uh, using MetaMask and using all their liquidity providers, DeFi pools and everything. And I decided to branch out and Solana was actually one of the first ones that I jumped into. I started using it with the Radium uh, protocol along with Step probably two, maybe two and a half years ago now, right when Radium initially came out and uh, just uh, played around with their liquidity pools and uh, earning, staking, all that on the uh, Solana side of it and messed around with some of their wallets and then uh, from there, kind of branched out into other chains, obviously uh, Multiverse X and Cardano and various other top 10, 20 chains. But that's kind of how I got started in uh, the Solana area. So Solana was one of your OGs that, that, that you had experience in. It was, yes. Yeah, one of the first ones I used after Ethereum. And I can't forget uh, Binance Smart Chain. That's uh, a secondary one that a lot of people go to straight from Ethereum as well. Yeah, de definitely taking the tourists. I think the one thing that's important is you're, you're not sitting here pontificating as someone who's, uh, you know, just throwing rocks at something. You've actually used it. You've been in the ecosystem. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I used it quite a bit, too. I was on a liquidity provider for Radium for probably a year or so and uh, seeing all the ups and downs of that and the the token issues with the release schedules and the, the token going from $15 and some odd sense one month down to two dollars within the next two months it was a uh, quite a wild ride and uh, one of the first experiences i really had in the the DeFi world uh, yeah it's, it's, it sounds like a, a little bit of a rough ride but maybe to kick things off so so we don't uh, you know come across as too biased necessarily against solana uh dave can you share like where does solana shine like what would you point to as aspects of it as a blockchain that other blockchains could either adopt or learn from or are particularly special about it Sure. So probably the the one thing that everyone seems to know and talks about is their speed and their transaction cost. It is insanely speed They or uh, insanely fast. And their transaction costs are fractions of the cents. 
And because of that, it, it drew in a, a very big crowd, very big user base because of a lot of people coming into Ethereum and you're sometimes waiting uh, two, three, four, five, even 10 minutes for a transaction, paying anywhere from five to, I think I paid upwards of 200, $250 for a single transaction at one point, which I still can't believe. And then you move over to some of these other layer ones. And Solana was obviously a very, very nice uh, change going from a, an average $20 transaction to being able to run 10,000 transactions for $20. And obviously having it go through uh, very, very quickly as well. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And the, the experience, uh, you know, tends to be, you know, not just fast, but also, you know, quite, quite beautiful in some of the apps, you know, Phantom Wallet and some of the other wallets. So it's, it's definitely got a leg up there. Is there anything else you'd share and say, like, this is why Solana is, is ahead of the pack? They have a very strong community. I'd have to say that's probably, I'd say the, the number one reason why they're still at where they're at. And uh, we'll get into why I don't believe they should be where they're at. <laughs> But yeah, they have a very, very strong community, very strong NFT community. And you can see that by looking at the statistics. They're second behind uh, Ethereum. Uh, so I think sometimes they flip with uh, uh, Matic on occasion, but usually they're second behind Ethereum and their, their volume is 10, 20, sometimes 50 times that of other layer one when it comes to uh, NFT volume. So they have a very, very strong NFT ecosystem and community. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know folks here uh, weren't tuning in to watch a 10 things wrong about Solana and hear all the great things about Solana. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and get to like, maybe, maybe some of the things that are wrong with it. Um, and I know you, you had maybe a presentation that you wanted to share some data. So however you'd like to take it, Dave, I'll kind of turn it over to you. Sure. So a couple points. First, I'll start with their tokenomics and I'm going to share my screen here. And Solana has some of the worst tokenomics I've seen in the space. And lots of people will say this as well. Uh, as you can see, about 80%, actually eight, more than 80% went to initial VCs, the team, and early buyers. And that's, that's really, really bad, as, as well as the foundation. And this is from uh, CoinMarketCap, just uh, to share the where it's coming from. And then also data from Masari, you could see their, their tokenomics are some of the worst in the space when it comes to insiders plus foundation tokens. That and you're talking the, specifically tokenomics as it relates to the initial distribution, not necessarily the tokenomics correct. of the token after that. Correct. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So the, the initial distribution and who is holding the, who are initially got the tokens and who is still currently holding the tokens. Uh, currently, FTX still holds, I think it's either 15 or 18% of all Solana tokens. And obviously they're going sure. through bankruptcy and that's a giant mess. So we, it's still, we have no idea what's going to happen with those tokens. And they're just one of massive VCs that ate up 60, 70, 80% of the initial token supply, which is very, very high. And it's uh, just compared to some of these others. And you'll, you'll see that it's, uh, it was heavily distributed to uh, VCs and early investors. And one of the people on the show actually commented earlier saying it's a, 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 
problem uh, VC token. I forget exactly what uh, the person said, but yeah, it's a VC token. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a broken VC pump coin. And I, while it has its pluses and minuses, I still say to this day that it never, ever would have gotten into the top 10, probably not even top 25, if not for FTX, Alameda, and a lot of the VC money that they brought in because it, it was a manipulated coin by them just bringing in so much money and uh, SBF manipulating it. So. Is there is there maybe a counter there? So we've got a bunch of Solana that's locked up in FTX for God knows how long until they unwind all the bankruptcy and everything else. Uh, doesn't that effectively decrease the circulating supply by a significant amount? It does. And that's that's the curious thing is we, we don't know how this the FTX holdings are really going to play out because they can't be touched or sold yet. And I don't exactly have the the dates on when they can be sold, but I do believe they're also currently staked. So on those, what, 85 or 90 million tokens or whatever that they hold, they're, I think they're still earning staking rewards off those tokens as well. So when they do have unlock, it, it depends on what status the, the bankruptcy and FTX is in. If they have to completely liquidate everything and try and pay back uh, consumers, they might have to sell dump Solana at a very low price and just get whatever they can out of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, right? So it might be locked up now. And then what do they do when it unlocks? Uh, very similar to all the other VC unlocks that happen that tend to kind of dump on the market. Yeah, exactly. And so it's still kind of an unknown as to what is going to happen with those unlocks. But uh, I know I wouldn't want uh, SBF holding. 15% of any token I was uh, heavily invested in. I, I think that's fair. I do want to say hi to some folks in the community. Uh, Adrian, welcome. Great to have you on the show again. Uh, Blazard, let's fucking, let's go. Yes, awesome. And <laughs> <laughs> this is YouTube. Don't demonetize me, please. Uh, and Rob, what's up, crew? Um, but I also wanted to give a, a, a moment for Bam Rindon, um just to comment on this. So his thought was, you know, this, this guy, I think referring to you, Dave, is an ETH maxi. Uh, are you an ETH maxi? Oh no, not even close. I far from it. In fact, I, I use ETH and I have used ETH. I actually haven't used ETH in probably a while. So no, I'm far from an ETH maxi. In fact, uh, I think layer twos have some future. What, what I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be, but ETH is definitely going to be reliant on L2s, which I'm not uh, very thrilled about that, unfortunately, because uh, even with their, their upcoming upgrades to ETH 2.0, ETH is still going to be capped at a set TPS and shards, and they're not going to be able to handle adoption. So no, I'm far from an ETH maxi. Yeah, and I think that's something that, that's important to note is, you know, often we get pitched into to tribes and we're like, okay, this tribe against that tribe. Uh, and what we try and do here on, on the show is, you know, having folks like Dave who can consider all different aspects. And we have like in-depth discussions about what, what's actually reality. And, you know, if you disagree, then that, that's fine too, right? Uh, you know, let us know what we can talk about that as well. <laughs> yeah. it, it is hard to take over the network effect that ETH has and even that Solana has. That's another part of the reason why I think Solana has kept its uh, position relatively in the top uh, five to 15 is because of the, the network effect. They do have the, the community, the customers, and even though they're losing those quickly as well as developers, they, they still had a very strong foundation originally. And that's where ETH is too. And it's going to be hard for any, any chain to overtake Ethereum.
Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's fair. That kind of initial network effect uh, is, is difficult to catch up to. And in some sense, like e even Solana with everything that we're going to talk about now, like it has some aspect of that network effect kind of built in already. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else about the tokenomics would you point to as, as concerning? So also early on in their, shortly after mainnet's release in, I think it was March of 2020, there were some... Uh, uh, token issues that uh, meaning 11 million tokens kind of came out of thin air that the team wouldn't recognize. And I've got some documentation. I could uh, send all this to you to be posted later with the video as well. All this is coming from uh, Solana mediums as well as uh, people that dug all this up. But basically someone found an unregistered or unlocked wallet that had 11 million Solana uh, unlocked when at that time the team was saying there was only 8 million Solana in circulation. And the the team kind of quickly tried to dance around it and mention that it was uh, tokens that were loaned to a market maker. And they were trying to get these token back that they so then they could burn them. And they never named the the market maker, which is kind of weird. And then they also later on, they put out a medium post saying that they were only able to get, I think, around three and a half million of the tokens back from this market maker. And what they did is then they took eight million of the foundation tokens, added it to that to come up to the eleven and a half million that were in circulation. And they burned those to kind of bring the supply back to what everyone thought it was supposed to be at that point. But there was just a lot of. Uh, kind of shady stuff going on at the time. Uh, yeah, you, so, you got something up? Yeah, so I'm just going to link this article. I think this is the one you're referring to here. Uh, and I'll post in the, yeah. the comments as well. Um, you know, basically, this is the Mia Culpa afterwards. Um, I wasn't able to quickly find the, the, the one where they were actually called out on it. But I think it's important to note that they didn't just come and uh, be open about this themselves. They were actually called out and then were like, oh, okay, we should do something. Yeah, exactly. And they were called out for a while till they actually, I think it was, uh, two to three months until they actually came out with an official statement and clarified what was going on while people were calling them out in their social media channels. So there was there was just some very, very fishy stuff going on that they tried to brush under the rug. And it was just one of many things that kind of turned me off to the, the whole uh, ecosystem in general early on. Yeah, something I like to, to look at is just the character of the teams leading it. You know, we talk a lot about decentralization and leaderless and all of that, but the, the truth is we're all on a journey from fully centralized to decentralized. We don't have the benefit of immaculate conception like Bitcoin does. Um, and when the, the, the team does things like you described, it just makes the hair on my back stand up. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's that's probably it when it comes to the, the tokenomics. I, I think other than that, they're besides the initial tokenomics and their, the issues they had early on, I think their tokenomics are pretty sound. They, they, have a, they do not have a capped supply uh, like Bitcoin or Multiverse X, or sorry, like Ethereum or Multiverse X, uh, Bitcoin and, uh, did I just say that wrong? Yeah, they do not have a capped supply, uh, unlike Bitcoin and Multiverse X. And so their inflation goes down, I believe it's 15% a year until it gets down to a consistent inflation rate of 1.5. And there's a lot of arguments as to why that's a good thing. 
there's a lot of people arguing that Bitcoin at some point is actually going to have to change their tokenomics to have a steady inflation to pay miners. And there's there's some logical arguments as to why that is uh, beneficial. So I, other than that, I, I like their their tokenomics and their constant inflation. And I, I think uh, everything else about it is pretty good. Now, do you know uh, how their staking rewards compare to their inflation? Like, is it based on the amount staked so you could earn a little bit higher than inflation or is it pegged to inflation? Currently, I believe it's a little higher than inflation due to transaction cost or transaction volume. It might actually be down now due to the the state of the, the network in the entire crypto space. But um, typically, I believe it is one or 2% higher than inflation. Was that a subtle hint to segue into whether Solana is down now or not? Uh, yeah, I guess we can go into that. <laughs> the, the first thing I probably should have even said before getting into any of the issues or concerns I have with Solana is that it's been down a dozen times in two years. I, why do I need or why does anyone even need to provide you any details or proof as to why it's faulty when you could just look at what it's been doing over the past two and a half years? And I know a lot of people will point to the fact that it's in beta, which they continuously say, and they, they love just saying, oh, well, we're in beta, we'll get past it. Well, they also launched their mainnet a month after uh, Avalanche, two months before Multiverse X, uh, six months after Cardano. And basically within a six month window, plus or minus of the majority of blockchains that we know and use today uh, from uh, HBAR, Phantom. And I don't see any of these other protocols point to beta issues. And sometimes they do and they'll say, oh, we're in beta. This was just a hiccup. But Solana loves to use that when it comes to issues. They just, oh, we're in beta. Don't worry about it. Well, we're going to be in beta for the next 10 years too, according to them. And you never know when they're going to leave beta. <laughs> Maybe they've got a, a calendar on their wall that says this many days till or since the last issue. And until it says two years or something, they're going to be in beta. Well, that's going to be a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I do love um, the, the idea that they're uh, really leaning into the Silicon Valley beta. Um, I think uh, uh, some of you may not know that I have the dubious distinction of uh, founding and launching Google Domains, which was in beta longer than any product at Google. I think it was seven years before they came out of beta. Wow. Interesting. Good to know. So, so uh, you know, Lisa's, Lisa's also telling us, uh, you know, in the chat, hey, Lisa, uh, Solana goes down a lot, uh, perhaps more than other things that should be going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the thing that really gets me. And you, it could be argued how many times they go have gone down and the people will debate this. It, there's, uh, I can even show that I got it pulled up here, um, the Solana downtime. And they've had fairly large issues where the network wasn't functioning 12 times in the past uh, two years. And a lot of people will point to that they've only had six or seven outages, which you can argue that because an outage is when the network was completely unoperable, wasn't working, there were no blocks created, nothing like what we experienced just, uh, what was that, a week ago when it was down for 19 hours. Uh, there's been seven instances of that in the past two years, but overall, there's been 12 instances where the, the network was seriously impacted, where people couldn't use it. And one of the, the biggest ones was, well, not biggest ones, but probably the most impactful ones was two years ago, January 2021, when, or was it 2022? But 
when did the market start crashing a lot? Was it 2022 in January or 21? I've got a little bit of PTSD. It seems like it's been <laughs> crashing forever. We've been here for a long time. That's all I, I think it's 2022 because 21 was supposed to be, you know, November 21, the high. Um, but it could have crashed in February 21 as well. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway, the, the network went down. And at this time, the market was just completely plummeting. And there was a, a lot of uproar because people got liquidated due to no fault of their own. They couldn't add funds. They couldn't remove their liquidity. They couldn't do anything because the network was completely down, unusable, while Bitcoin and the market was in free fall. So people lost hundreds of millions of dollars in liquidations because of a, a network outage. And that's just, that's unacceptable. That, that doesn't, uh, I know people like to explain again that it's in beta and it has issues and we're going to have issues, but you're messing with people's money here. You're messing with people's uh, lives here, their, their money and their lives. And it's not, if it's in beta and it's going to continue to be in beta for a year, two years, three years, you take it down and you test it in beta. You, you don't mess with people's lives and money uh, in beta and do this. It, that's just what really kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, there were some early discussions. I'm not sure if they're still happening about, you know, using Solana's higher throughput to be able to run, uh, you know, stock exchanges and other things on the network. Um, so very much targeting the financial system and you, you can't, I mean, it's just ripe for all sorts of bad things to happen there. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're nowhere near being able to do that, and I, I'm sure the stock exchange wouldn't even touch them with a ten foot pole right now because of what's been going on. So, yeah, there's there's the outage issue, and uh, th that's one of the most clear clear things. If you can't see that and make up your mind there, then you you just don't want to, I, I believe. And I've talked to a lot of people at this point that they they just don't want to see what's in front of them because they they're either they're heavily invested. Or they they see the the benefits where there which there are benefits yeah. and they just completely disregard any of the negatives which are just as big if not bigger and that's some of the other stuff that we'll we'll go over today. Yeah, and it's 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 tough because you often get this. Well, it works for me whenever I've tried it. So from my <laughs> perspective, it's got a hundred percent uptime, <laughs> but that's not obviously the way we have to measure these things. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, anything more you'd like to share on um, the restarts and the uptime for Solana? So even without the, oh, well, well, we'll get into how the, the blocks and the chain works, but I'll say even, even when they are operating and running efficiently, like all these green boxes that you see here, that there, there's a lot of them and there's enough red too, more than there should be. Did I lose you, Dave? Are we still live? Can anyone hear us? Is it me that's disappeared? Oh, that would be awkward. But all the green from... I think I've got you guys all alone here. Ah, there she is. Maybe she's jumping back in. There we go. We're talking about Solana going down and then our YouTube stream goes down. I think the universe is telling us something. Yes, exactly. Great, great timing. Yeah. Can, can everyone hear both Dave and myself now? In chat, you could just pop a thumbs up and let us know if you're good there. 
<laughs> All good. Yeah, it looks it looks like we're good. Sorry, sorry, Dave. If you could repeat the the last maybe thirty seconds or so. Yes. Yeah, so what I was gonna say is, uh, as shown on the uptime chart here, there's obviously a lot of green. There's this is there basically there's no downtime recorded or anything, and that's how a blockchain should look. And there should be no red, in fact. And but what they they don't highlight is the amount of transactions that fail due to network congestion and how their mm. transactions and their speed operate. So I'm going to pull this up and show you that on average, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of transactions fail just because of the congestion of the network. And uh, here's a I pulled up a random block here and there were twenty three hundred and five transactions. Only 88% of them were successful, which wait, hold on. So 12% are failing just as a matter of course, the transactions yep. on the network? Because the net the, the the network is so congested from all these. And this is common for most blocks. I'll go back and go down here. It'll show the most recent blocks. I'll just click on anyone, click on the most recent. 84% successful, 16% failed. And it'll tell you why they failed, what's going on. You'll see all the red, and that's that's just common. And any on average, ten to fifteen percent of transactions failed for whatever reasons, just because the network is congested. And those don't show up as red outages; those still show up as green, even though people are. And I experienced this when I was initially using Solana as well. I didn't really think of it much at the time because it was. It was a lot uh, faster and cheaper than Ethereum, so I didn't really mind. But there were times when I did have to put a transaction through three times in order to get it to process. My mind is blown that that's still a thing that that's happening. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll pull up another one for, and all this you can find these on various uh, Solana explorers. I'll pull up the most recent one again. So what's the 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 Solana's team? Which are fifty nine percent succeed, forty one percent failure on. Yeah. So what does the Solana team say? I mean, did, th this must be an important issue people are talking about. I haven't really seen a ton of discussion around it, to be honest, which it's a shame because anyone that I do get into a conversation with, or anytime I get in a conversation with someone, they kind of bury their head in the sand and just ignore it. And they, they go one of two ways. And they, they either say that the protocol is faster and cheaper than any other, which sure, they have a point there currently, or they flip it around and they start attacking uh, whatever your preferred program or chain might be. And they might say, well, that, that's fine, but Cardano only does 12 transactions a second or whatever they, they might want to say. They, they turn it around. They, they ignore kind of what's in front of them, at least a lot of the people that I've discussed it with. And it's 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 kind of the tribalism nature of the space and how everyone has their favorite and they they uh, avoid seeing the the negatives and that's that's just gonna kind of get you in trouble and that's, that's why I was glad we were able to have a talk a week or two ago about the, the issues with multiverse X which is uh, as well as the benefits of it but that's one of my favorites and if you can't see the negatives of a protocol and discuss them and kind of see how the team can get past them, then you're just uh, burying your head in the sand and you're, you're being ignorant. So. Yeah, no, I, I love that because at the end of the day, um, it's not about whether Ethereum or Solana or Multiverse X wins. 
it's about whether we we're stuck with a traditional finance system that we have that's unfair to a lot of people. And hopefully we're all kind of pulling in the same direction of removing that unfairness. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Harisal saying, yeah, all, all the whataboutism that, that tends to happen, um, very common in crypto. Uh, Lisa made a comment, they tend, they need to go back to test it. <laughs> what would you think of that idea, Dave? Honestly, that, that's kind of what I was hinting at earlier. It's because of what they're doing and how there is so much money that is on the line for people here, much less than there was before. And we'll get into that soon as well. You're... I think it's it's irresponsible to continue operating like this when there's a chance that you can go down and someone can be liquidated or you lose money or whatever happens. It just uh, I, I agree with that. I think it should go back into a test net phase and they need to fix their issues, but their issues are fairly large issues that aren't going to be something that they could just fix overnight or even in six months or a year. It's uh, it's big stuff. So we, we've got Solana going completely down every now and again, you know, at least a, a few times a quarter. And uh, on a consistent basis, you know, some of the transactions don't get through. Uh, what else would you point to as maybe something that's wrong with Solana? Well, so just go to another tab over here. And this is something that I put in my thread that definitely went viral. It was beyond any expectations I had. It was kind of neat to see some of my favorite influencers comment on it and share it even. And uh, it, uh, the, the main part of it was sharing this data right here, which I'll go over right now, which is widely unknown in the space. And that is that the majority, the heavy majority of transactions that are run on Solana are vote transactions, which means they're, they're technically not real transactions. What, what a vote transaction is, is, in order to, in order for the uh, block to get created, all the validators or a subset of the validators need to discuss and come to agreement that something happened. And in order to do that, they send messages back and forth on the chain and then they agree on something and then it's put together in a block. And all those messages back and forth are, they're considered vote TPS, vote transactions per second. And no other blockchain that I know of does these on-chain and counts them as transactions per second. So when Solana is advertising 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 uh, TPS, many people fail to mention that 90 to 95% of those are vote transactions that shouldn't be counted. Mm -hmm. So if you look at this, this one in the bar graph right here, they've got total TPS, 5,448, which... 5,048 of those were vote transactions. Those are just meaning the, the validators were talking to each other. It has nothing to do with actual crypto transaction. There was nothing bought, sold, minted, uh, sent, anything. So, so there was no actual value to the blockchain for those 5,480? Yes. And I, I was quite shocked actually to find out how many people didn't know this, especially when it is very publicly displayed on some of their explorers their their main explorer actually doesn't break it down like this they just show total tps and they'll, they'll show the big number they won't tell you the talk about the the vote tps and i wonder course, why <laughs> I, well that that's a good question and i actually got in a discussion with anatoly the other day the the founder which 
he wasn't able to provide an answer that I was very uh, that I could really take that I could uh, not understand, but that made sense. So what um, was his response? Like his response was that it is cheaper to do it, cheaper and faster to do it on um, on chain. All the the messages, which one reason why it may be cheaper is because all the validators then have to pay the fees for these transactions. So they're the ones stuck paying it, uh, which we'll get into later. And also why the majority of Solana validators are actually underwater and they don't make any money. They actually lose money. Huh. And also the, the speed, he said that it, it's faster to do it on chain, but that is uh, it's impossible. It's literally impossible because it all runs on, on top of the base protocol, which is the internet. And you can't do something faster on the blockchain that's using the internet than you could do on the internet alone. And there's, it's just, a lot of people theorize that the reason why is they just wanted to pad their transaction count, mm -hmm. which if you look at a lot of their marketing, they do. They advertise that they can do 75,000 uh, TPS, which for one, they've never even come close to that without uh having issues are going down and two even if they did about again 90 to 95 percent of those would be vote transactions so we're talking what five to ten thousand at most actual transactions which is a lot i'm not gonna lie but that's nowhere near where we're gonna be in the future and so it's very misleading information yeah. how do other blockchains handle this this kind of discussion between validators it's, it's all uh, off-chain, basically just typical internet communication um, done without transactions on the blockchain. Now, don't these transactions need to be stored somewhere? Like we have um, explorers for Solana, right? And they look into previous transactions. Or do these get trimmed or, or sent away? Like, uh, do, doesn't that have an impact on storage as well as, uh, you know, just the overall blockchain? For sure, yeah. It's, it makes the size of the blockchain incredibly large to the point where it, now you can't even run a full node because it's in i was reading recently it's impossible to download the full state of the solana network now because it's over in november of last year it was over 100 terabytes and it's growing by tens of gigabytes a day so it's growing so quickly because of these unnecessary transactions and it's going to cause them issues in the future because of it too uh, thankfully, their validators only need to store, I believe, around two days worth of transactions because they do have the account-based model. So they, they just need to know uh, account uh, balances and such. So they don't need to store the entire blockchain. But there are full validator nodes, just like in any other network. And in order to run a full validator node for Solana, you need a legit data center. And it's, it's just not possible or feasible for anyone who's not a... Uh, a, a whale or a, a, just a data center provider, basically. I mean, so to put this in context for folks, uh, Bitcoin, which is the, you know, the oldest of the blockchains that we typically talk about, uh, the size of their blockchain is 400 gigabytes. And that's with all the transactions that have been done on Bitcoin. Uh, and so Solana is growing by more than an order of magnitude than that. Uh, and it's also already, uh, what would that be? Gosh, like, three orders of magnitude larger than the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, and growing by over 25 times a day, the, the entire size of the Bitcoin blockchain. It's just, oh. it, it's not 
sustainable for for that reason and for for other reasons as well it's uh it's just uh and they they recently partnered with uh google which actually i think was a uh, it made a big splash people promoted it they thought it was great but it, that's not what you want for a decentralized uh, system previously i think they'd used arweave for their their uh storage and then they partnered with google and now that their a lot of their data is in the cloud by google one of the biggest web two uh monopolies in the world so that's another thing that kind of leads to centralization right there. I mean, I'm sure it's great for whichever sales associate sold the, the storage oh, plan to the Solana sure, team. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like, I mean, you're, you're leading us down a path here, right? It's, it's not always up, sometimes it's down completely. Even when it's up, your transactions may not get through. Oh, and by the way, it's growing uncontrollably, so it's impossible to run a full node, so it's not really decentralized. Um, can it get worse? Well, well, we'll definitely find out come next bull run when, uh, if they're still a favorite and people are trying to actually run 50, 100,000 plus transactions per second on their blockchain, and we'll see uh, if they've made any improvements. But from everything I've seen and everything I've dove into, there, there's not much that they can do that's within their their scope in order to handle adoption. And even the founder, Anatoly, has said multiple times in interviews that they their entire protocol is built around scalability and uh, will advance with computer hardware. And mm -hmm. what he means by that is that their scalability, again, is reliant on updated hardware. And basically, he He's saying Moore's law for anyone who's not familiar with Moore's law that every two years, the, the amount of transistors on a chip uh, supposedly doubles, which is supposed to increase throughput and speed and everything of uh, computer. And you probably know this much better than I do as you were in that uh, field as well. Uh, but I'm a believer that Moore's law is kind of it's dead kind of because it's not really doubling anymore. And there, there's other issues that they're they're going to run into because we're we're not even at 10% of the world's adoption at this point, uh, so it's it's going to explode. And I've said before, I think within five years, even though Ethereum is projected to do 100,000 TPS, which sounds impressive now, that's going to be a fraction of what's going to be needed. We're going to need millions of TPS in order to handle what's really coming for the blockchain space and all the protocols that are going to be used. Yeah, I think just Visa by itself has 65k TPS available on their network, and they're obviously not the only payment process. From payments aren't the only use case that we yeah. need to worry about. Um, I did want to, you know, pop this uh, this up for folks to look at. Um, so even Nvidia, who you know, small little company building chips, say that Moore's law has ended. Um, so <laughs> it feels well, like so about six months ago, too. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all feel it as well. If you if you grew up with with computers and you went from your you know two eight six to your three eight six to your four eight six, there was a huge burst of speed in in every iteration. And recently, uh, it, it hasn't been quite as dramatic, and you can just kind of feel that difference. Um, and obviously, you know, Nvidia has more data behind it. Uh, Intel disagrees, but I think part of their business is surfing the Moore's law wave. So I don't know how uh, neutral they are in all of it. Yeah, and their their entire growth plan and almost roadmap is dependent on hardware speed and efficiency improving. And I'll also jump over to this right here, which I know it's Reddit. It's not, uh, you don't take Reddit for a word, but you can, 
Uh, I can even share this so people can look at the links. These are actual from the, the official websites. But these are the requirements in order to run an Ethereum node versus Solana node. And this is another part of uh, centralization that for the system. It's the fact that in order to run a node is costly. Uh, you just look at the, the two different parts here. And in order to build a Solana node, a computer that's going to handle it, right now I think it's around $3,500. Whereas uh, an Ethereum validator can be run on a, uh, a MacBook Air, which is what, five or 600 bucks and just sits in the corner. So the, the differences in requirements are quite large because of the way Solana uh, does throughput and processes transactions and how they use different cores for different functions that you need a very powerful computer. And with uh, consensus, the, the weakest computer in the, the validator uh, network is always gonna be the, the weakest link. So this is the absolute minimum that you can have for a validator node. And it's quite high. Plus they also don't even mention it in here, but they uh, require a gigabyte of uh, data uh, speed, which you can't get that in many parts of the world. Yeah, the, the, this is crazy. And this is a validator that stores just two or three days over the transactions, right? So it's not a full node by any stretch. We said that's the data center. This is just a regular validator. Um, so how would someone who doesn't have that, you know, someone maybe in, in Africa or other, you know, parts of Asia participate in this network? So you, they do have, uh, you can delegate to a validator and stake your tokens to someone, uh, another validator. And they have currently, I think around 2,800 validators in their network. The, the issue is, like I mentioned before, the, the majority of those are actually in the red. They're, they don't make money. And a lot of them are subsidized by the Solana Foundation. And the reason why is because, and this also leads to the centralization aspect as well, is that regardless of uh, the size of your stake, you're still validating all these transactions, which includes the, the vote message transactions. And those all cost money. So on average, it takes about one to one and a half soul a, a day in fees, just validating transactions which right now is not terrible because the price of soul is around what, 20, $20, I think. So we're talking 20 to $30 in uh, fees for validating the network, which it's not cheap, but imagine back when it was 200, 250 bucks and you're paying 300, $400 in transaction fees. And one of the biggest weaknesses is unlike other networks, block producers are chosen based off of their stake weight. So say you have 5% of the total uh, Solana state in your validator, you have a 5% chance of creating a block, basically. Uh, unlike others where block producers are chosen at random or for other reasons, with Solana, it's chosen based off of your stake weight. And what that does is it makes it again very centralized because the whales are the ones creating the majority of the blocks and you almost can't be profitable unless you're staking a ton of Solana on your validator or you get delegators to do with you. So it's, you can't just, uh, while there is no require requirement to set up a validator, like Ethereum, for example, where you need to lock up 32 ETH, which is what about 45,000, maybe $50,000 right now. 
obviously there's a cost for that. Uh, with Solana, there's no upfront cost. You can start a validator node up with, I think, 100 Solana if you want. But the problem with that is you're still going to be paying all the transaction fees and the likelihood of you verifying blocks and making money is slim to none. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're in the red. And that's where actually the majority of Solana validators are at this point. There, a lot of them are being subsidized by the Solana Foundation. Is there a path to them getting escape velocity from this? I mean, I'm assuming at some point the game plan is, right, okay, Solana is doing well enough that all these validators who've stuck with the network, eventually the foundation can remove the funding and they'll be self-sufficient. It's, it's hard to say. A lot of people kind of point to their transaction costs being too low, which it may be. It could be an issue. There, it's actually been an issue for two reasons. One, that you could attack the network with bots very, very easily because of how cheap the, the network uh, transaction fee is. But then also to the same point that uh, validators can't really uh, be profitable because of the fact that it, it's so cheap, that uh, you're, you're verifying blocks for such a large network that is putting through an insane amount of transactions, most again, which are completely unnecessary and it's just not profitable. So unless they, I really don't know what they can do unless they take uh, their voting off chain, which wouldn't be an easy feat. It's something they could do. I, I really don't know what else they could do in order to make it a, a really a profitable and uh, equitable share for validators. It's an interesting conundrum. I want to pop this uh, comment from her salon uh, saying that they're going back to proof of work essentially <laughs> with their validator yeah. requirements. Um, Basically. Yeah. It's uh just like I think 3% of the uh, proof of work, the uh, the data miners can technically control 51% of the Bitcoin, Bitcoin network. Uh, it's not to that extent for Solana, but at some point it might be. I think uh, currently it's uh, the top 31 validators control around 20% of the stake. And perhaps just to, to kind of put a point on the Bitcoin, because I, I know many folks who are Bitcoin maxis would, would disagree and their comment would be, it's uh, three mining pools, not three miners. And yes. so there's a, a subtle difference there in that uh, miners can move their hash power around. And so if there was a takeover attack, it would be uh, trivial almost for them to move it to a, a pool that wasn't attacking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So those are some of the things that uh, I definitely see as red flags, the, the barrier to entry, the barrier to being profitable, which leads to centralization, even though people will argue that they're not because they do have a lot of nodes. But again, those a lot of those nodes aren't making money. And the ones that are, are the, the whales, many of them controlled by the, the foundation or FTX or other VCs, since nearly 80% of the initial supply did go to those areas. And it, uh, it definitely, it, it causes some issues for the future and where they're going to be able to take it without kind of pulling in Ethereum and having to go back to square one and rebuilding. And look what that's doing for Ethereum. It's taking probably anywhere from six to eight years once all is said and done, once they officially complete ETH 2.0. Yeah, definitely a, a kind of convoluted process. Uh, something we haven't spent a lot of time on is talking about 
um, the, the cucumber in the room, which is SBF. Um, we, <laughs> so we mentioned briefly his, his kind of involvement with FTX and having a bunch of Solana, but the, the other side to it also is um, FTX and Alameda were investors in a lot of the projects on Solana. Um, and uh, th there hasn't yet, I think, been fully absorbed the fallout from what's going to happen there. 100%. Yeah, they that was by far their their largest bag. And I wish I had the graphic pulled up, but it showed all their invested all, all their investments in the Solana ecosystem. And it was it was huge. They uh, they were invested in over, I want to say, 30 different projects from DeFi protocols to um, just just various protocols on the, the network. And yes, the the fallout hasn't completely been felt or seen yet as to what's going to happen. And I want to say before the whole FTX Alameda drama went down, Solana, I believe they said they had about 18 month runtime as far as funds to continue building before they hit issues and had to start selling tokens and uh, whatnot. But that was before the, the FTX issue. So that their runtime might be much, much less at this point. But of course, they're not going to come out and say that and freak everyone out even more than they might be. <laughs> so, so what does this, this look like if they if they run out of runtime? I mean, do we just start to see projects going offline on Solana and and essentially a, a negative a negative feedback loop? Potentially, it's what it means is they'd be able to hold less uh, events, less hackathons, less uh, dev incentives, less less things are going to bring people to their community. Plus, it also could mean that they the team has to start dumping some of their own tokens in order to continue supporting themselves in development. And it's standard for for any business to have uh, runtime uh, issues, runway basically, on how, how long you can survive without additional capital coming in. And obviously we're in a pretty harsh bear market right now where a lot of uh, capital is not coming in. And they had initially said they had about an 18 month runway until things started getting a little hairy. And, what that means, we're not too sure, but again, it could be, uh, like I said, either selling tokens to pay for costs or just uh, not doing some of the big events and uh, stuff that they, they have been doing. Like I think they did a $150 million hackathon not too long ago, which those are great incentives for developers to come into the ecosystem and uh, show what you got and introduce people to the uh, Solana ecosystem. And if you can't continue to do stuff like that, or uh, you just don't do them at all, it's it, that's your marketing in a way. So, so at some point they'll need to be competing on the ecosystem and the capabilities of the blockchain, rather than relying on VC money to push the marketing. Essentially, exactly, yeah. And and so they'll be on a level playing field with perhaps some of the other uh, blockchains that haven't got as much of this marketing behind them. Yeah. Except their VCs still hold uh, 40, 50, 60% of the tokens that they could dump at any time. And they're up a thousand X or whatever at this point. So dumping uh, even at $20 is a lot of profit for the majority of them. Man, how do I become a VC? That seems like a good gig. Seriously, no joke. I think they, some of them were buying as low as three or four cents, something crazy. Maybe it was even lower than that. I don't know, but yeah, that's uh, that's where the money's at. <laughs> <laughs> so looking for, you know, some canaries in a cold mine. Um, they, they recently 
announced they're shutting down all their physical stores. So for those who don't know, Solana had physical stores. Um, but I think kind of more worrying from my perspective is that their top NFT project, DGods, is uh, moving to another blockchain. So it's moving to Ethereum and some of the sub-collections moving to Polygon. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, I've been following Frank and DGods and Utes for a while. And I think he's a, he's a very... He's young. I think he's only 22, maybe 24 years old. And, but he's very charismatic. He, he seems very intelligent and he's, he's taken it to the number one and number two on the, the blockchain. And people see that clearly. And Polygon, Matic for one, they offered him $3 million to come and take their projects to Polygon and help build the NFT ecosystem there. So that's a pretty good uh, show of uh, support. And if you're going to give a 22-year-old kid $3 million to come bring your NFT project over, he's got to be doing something right. And those, like you said, are by far the two biggest NFT projects on the chain, where at one point they were doing, I think, 50 to 70% of the, the volume of NFT transactions. Oh. I don't think it's anywhere near that anymore, but I think it's still high. It's still maybe 10 to 20% of the volume on Solana NFT is between those two collections. And so it's going to take a hit for sure. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on Ethereum and Matic, especially I think I'm more interested in Ethereum because it's it's a, a big project from a, a little pond going over to the, the, the big, big pond. And we'll see how they compete with the, the real big dogs. But they uh, they've got a good trajectory and I'm, I'm bullish on Frank and what they're doing. Yeah, and I think it's it's different being kind of in the major leagues, right? Um, and oh, yeah, that's, sure. we'll get to see you know, a lot of the folks who are probably watching this are in the multiverse X ecosystem as well. Uh, like also very much the, the minor leagues compared to Ethereum. So um, we'll see. I know there's a couple NFT projects that have been eyeing Ethereum and thinking like, could we move over there? Um, yeah, lots of projects are, uh, some on multiverse X are looking to move and Solana coming over here and Matic over there. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think sometimes it could also be a grass is always greener type thing. People see something over there and it looks better, so let's go try it over there. But uh, a lot of it comes down to the, the basics and the the project, yeah. the founders, and. Uh, but clearly, I'd say something happens that kind of turns Frank and their project, uh, their team off from Solana. Maybe they started seeing a lot of the stuff that were. We're going over today and they don't see a future in it. I don't know, even though Frank is being very PC and uh, hush hush in a lot of his talks and he still talks bullishly on Solana, but I have a feeling he's doing a lot of that just because he, uh, for one, he's still there. They haven't left yet and it's his home base and that's where he got the majority of his followers from. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I know we've talked a, a lot about all the things that are, are wrong with Solana. If, you, if you're in chat and you think we've missed something, uh, let me know. Uh, I think that this is a lot and these aren't small issues. Um, is there anything else you'd like to cover on Solana? So, yeah, they have uh, security issues as well. So due to their their speed and how they they trade off scalability for decentralization and security, decentralization, which we've already touched on a little bit, but also security in they, 
in order to get so fast, they make a lot of uh, sacrifices. One is that their their block time is 400 milliseconds. Uh, and typically, that's what it's supposed to be. On average, it ranges from 450 to 500 milliseconds, and it, it varies. But that is insanely fast, which is how they can put through a lot of transactions. That's why their, uh, their transaction speeds are quick. But it also leads to issues. There's a reason why Ethereum has a... But I think it's a 10 second or 12 second uh, block time. Uh, I could be getting that wrong. And Bitcoin has like 10 second or 10 minute block time, but 400 milliseconds is insanely fast. And in order to get to that speed, they also have what is considered a deterministic leader, which is the person who proposes a block to the rest of the validators in the blockchain is known ahead of time, which is crazy to me. I think it's it's nuts because I don't know of any other blockchain that has a deterministic leader, meaning I can go and you can look and see who's going to be the block producer in 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes. And you could see it, I think, up to 100 different leaders in advance. And this opens up up to potential attacks. So you can potentially, you could find out who a leader is going to be and you could DDoS them, which means you could just send so much packet information and data information to them to potentially bring them offline for uh, even a fraction of a second, which may not seem like anything major, but if you have a powerful enough computer to do it, you can continue to do it down blocks. And you, you can attack one and then you move to the next leader. And if your computer is powerful enough, you can technically DDoS the entire network and bring it down. Yeah. And the important thing is you're not going up against the power of the Solana network. You're going up against the power of one validator. Exactly. Yep. Just one computer. So that's uh, that's an issue for sure. A lot of the downtime that they've had, they haven't specifically come out and said sometimes what caused the downtime, but there's been a lot of speculation that it has been something along these lines, that someone uh, attacked the network by finding the leader and doing exactly this. They have uh, on occasion mentioned uh, DDoS attacks, but they're also one of the only networks that does it that way. And for example, Multiverse X, which we've chatted about before, the, le the next uh, block producer, next leader, isn't determined until the the previous hash is figured out calculated and we're talking a, a millisecond or even less uh, because that hash is created and then the next uh, uh, leader is chosen and so it's impossible to know who's going to create the next block who's going to be the leader who's going to uh, validate the next block and that's kind of the way a lot of or mainly the way how a lot of chains operate. Solana is one of the only ones that has a predetermined leader, which mm -hmm. is very strange. And they, uh, the reasoning for doing that is so they can speed things up. Yeah, I was trying to find the, the, the tweet, but I think it was Anatoly who said, when you said, you know, what if we uh, didn't have security as the top value, but speed instead, something to that effect. <laughs> I wasn't able to find it while we're talking, but I, I think that's maybe now embedded in the concern that you mentioned here is it's, it's not the top con the, the, the top concern for the team. Yeah, uh, he, yeah he's been very, very open and transparent about that too, which is kind of surprising because I don't see the big money coming into the space until security is almost number one. 
Because if you're a financial institution that's going to be bringing in billions and billions of dollars, you want to make sure that you're running on a secure network where your money can't be hacked or you can't lose access to it, even if it's temporarily. And so, yeah, the, the fact that he seems so nonchalant about security and decentralization is very, it's kind of shocking, honestly. Yeah. And we've talked about before, you know, reliability itself, just having something be unreliable has tremendous financial impact, especially if you're running, you know, complex financial markets on top of the blockchain, uh, you know, liquidations will happen. You don't need um, days, you know, even just hours is sufficient. Yeah. Um, well, Dave, it's been fantastic. I, I just love the, the depth of knowledge you bring about so many different uh, different blockchains. I do have Dave's Twitter uh, linked down below. So please give him a follow on Twitter. He, he posts just a number of fantastic threads. Um, the Solana one was was picked up you know, pretty broadly across the community, but there's lots of other great, great threads that, that he shares. Um, if you are following along here in chat, thank you everyone for being here. Uh, please do all the YouTube things, like, subscribe. We really appreciate you and we have Lots of awesome people, you know, talking about uh, crypto and blockchain and talking about lots of different blockchains. So I think that's pretty much everything, unless you have any final words, Dave. No, it just uh, we're, we're obviously in a brutal bear market right now. And uh, a lot of people are on edge and uh, it, it's a builder's market, though. So you got to look for the builders, the people that are uh, moving forward and building and progressing and those are the the projects that i think are really going to succeed and this this certainly wasn't meant to be a, a bash solana video is just uh bring to light some of the issues that they do have which are very apparent and nothing that i shared is opinion it's uh i i'll share all this the the links so people can verify it themselves but the the main thing is just kind of the the transparency that has come from the team and the the foundation that is been the biggest turnoff for me from the project but other than that it is fast and cheap so if you can care if you don't care about anything else solana is probably your go-to <laughs> awesome thank you dave thank you everyone and we'll see you again soon thanks Cheers. for having me on